Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. I happen to notice today that uh, there was a prayer request for uh, a Christian in Egypt to, well, his family actually, Christian, a Christian man in Egypt had been kidnapped uh, and held for ransom, and the family didn't have money to pay, so they killed him and dumped his body in the Nile River. Uh, and evidently, uh, kidnappings of Christians in Egypt is on the rise. Uh, from October of 19 to uh, September of 20, they had roughly, I think, a little over 50 uh, kidnappings, uh, so roughly one a week. Um, and here we are from, from October of last year to now, which is halfway through, um, there's been 63. So we're on track to more than double um, <clears throat> The amount of kidnapping is going on. Uh, it reminded me of of what Jesus had said: "In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." But the way he did that surprised everybody. He overcame the world by dying, which usually for for Normal men and women, if you die, that means you lost. <laughs> lost battle of cancer, lost in a physical battle and war. I, you, you've lost. You, you failed to achieve. You know, failed to go on living in a, and 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 gain some kind of victory. But Jesus gained victory by dying. And, and when he first told his disciples about this, <clears throat> they didn't get it at all. And if we look at uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, bef- uh, and before I get into this, it's important to just stop momentarily I'll be, I'll be talking about different terms, words that we use very freely in the church, and I want to make sure everybody understands what we're talking about. We talk about the atonement. I'll be talking a lot about the atonement today. What is the atonement? There's a lot of people who don't believe we, we needed an atonement, and I'll talk about that later on. But the atonement is... The definition really is freedom from the devil and, and, and being reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ. That's the atonement. It, it, it's freedom from sin. It's two actions. Freedom from sin and a reconciliation. And when we know reconciliation, that's a big word too. Reconciliation. To, to restore a relationship, a broken, severed relationship. If you have a, a divorced couple come together for counseling 
and, and they figure things out and they're, and they're able to heal their relationship and, and, and they restore their marriage, that's a reconciliation. And we started out, we were broken apart from God. We were slaves of sin. We were, our, our, our relationship with God was severed. We could not have a relationship with God until Jesus died for us. He had to die. That's the main point I want to bring across. Jesus told his disciples, and I want to bring it across to you. As we go into Holy Week, remember that Jesus had to die. Let's, let's go to verse 21 here. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and then be raised the third day. Now, Peter, smart guy that he is, verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. I'm not going to let, I know what Peter, I have, I don't know, I know what Peter was thinking, but I really feel like I have a good grasp on the kind of man Peter was because he reminds me of me. And Peter, I, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. Remember, he was the guy that pulled his sword later on in the garden. I'm going to protect you. <clears throat> Verse 23, but he turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. There's two things I want to bring up to this, and then we're going to go on to another another time Jesus tells his disciples about his forecoming uh, death. Uh, first is, he talks about suffering at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes. Um, these types of people uh, continue to be uh, enemies of Christians. Uh, elders being the rich men, rich and powerful of the, of the area. Uh, and then the, the chief priests were the ambitious clergy, and the scribes were the conceited scholars, and we still see that today. People of wealth and power being an enemy uh, of Christ, and, and ambitious clergy, people who call themselves clergy. They got some videos they want to sell you and some books and whatnot. You know, they're all about obtaining money and power. They're an enemy of Christ as well. And then you have your conceited scholar. They got it all figured out. Years ago, they had what was called the Jesus Seminar. A bunch of conceited scholars got together and decided, oh, you know what? Only a fraction of the New Testament actually happened. And they parsed out verse by verse and talked about what could have happened, what didn't happen. <clears throat> so there's people, types of people we need to be on the lookout for as Christians. Another thing I want to point out to you is when Jesus rebukes Peter, get out of my way. 
Anytime you dismiss God's concerns for something else, you do the work of the devil. I know I should fill in the blank, but fill in the blank. I know I should do something God wants me to do, but I'm going to do something else instead. Anytime you dismiss God, what God wants, I saw Caitlin had, Caitlin had a post on Facebook. It was, it was kind of funny and tragic at the same time. Uh, it was like the summary of human history. And I may not quote it exactly, but you know what? I quote it exactly. Humans in a nutshell. God says, hey, you should do this. And then a narrator comes up and says, they did not. That's, nah. The book of Judges, if you haven't read Judges, and you're worth, worthwhile studying, but, you know, the whole of it is, and every man did what was right in their own eyes. And from that you have tragedy and bloodshed and suffering, starvation and, and just pain and, and deceit, betrayal. So we might, we might kind of smirk at Peter rebuking Jesus. And how conceited is that? But are you doing the same thing in your life? If, you're, if, if the Bible tells you you should do something or not do something, and you're like, nah, that doesn't apply to me, or I'm okay. <clears throat> we don't want to do the work of the devil. And if we go over to... Uh, Chapter 17, 22 in Matthew. We see he says it again. He makes his second prediction of his death. You know, they didn't get it before. Verse 22, as they were meeting in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. And Matthew continues to say, and they were deeply distressed. They were really bothered about this. Mark took it a step further. If we turn to Mark chapter 9. Verse 31, for he was teaching his disciples and telling uh, then the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. Uh, they will kill him, and after he's killed, he'll raise it three days later. Mark adds in verse 32, but they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. So they were deeply bothered about it. They didn't get it, but they were afraid to ask. I, maybe they didn't want to know. The reality is Jesus had to die. 
There's lots of groups who say, no, that's not the case. He didn't have to die, and he didn't die, or he didn't die for us. In Islam, they, they believe that Jesus only fainted, that he didn't actually die. It just looked like he had died. And then in progressive Christianity, they say, oh, Jesus dying for us. You know, God the Father demanding that. That's akin to cosmic child abuse, they call it. Absolutely foolish. Jesus gave his life, his blood, his soul for us. We belong, we belong to the devil. Do you understand that? The devil had a right to us. But Jesus took us from him. But in order for us to, for him to do that, he had to die. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. A ransom for many. That word ransom is very important. Just like those men who had kidnapped that Christian man. They, they, were, they were trying to get a ransom from the family. Trying to make money off of him. They had possession of him. The devil had possession of us. We were lost. We were unable to find our own way. Unable to free ourselves. But he gave his life as a ransom for us. Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 11. I told you we be going through a lot of scriptures today. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This tells us why Jesus, why would Jesus die for us? Because he's a, he's a good shepherd. And a good, this is what a good shepherd does, lays down his life for the sheep. And pararescue, the 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 motto is that others may live. I've always liked that motto. They give their put their lives in the line, give their lives so others can live. Jesus gave himself so we could live. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter five. Let's see here. Verse 15. He died 
and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So because he died for us, we're expected to not, he purchased us. We, we don't belong to ourselves. We don't, we never really did. We always either belong to the devil or God. People live for themselves what they I want, what's convenient for me, what makes me feel good. But for the one who died for them and was raised. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So here, Jesus died uh, to, to pay a ransom for us, also to reconcile us to God. He said there, God himself reconciled himself to us through the death of Christ. We sin, that relationship was severed. There's the complete severing. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians one twenty one. <clears throat> Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions. You remember being like that? Alienated uh, from God and, and, and hostile toward, I don't want to think about God. I don't want to think about the truth at all because of sin in my life. Sin is not, it can't coexist with a relationship with God. So once we were like that, but now, verse 22, now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. To present you, there's a purpose to this, notice. It's not just to have a relationship, great, you're, you're, you, we have a relationship now, now just go do whatever you want. There is a purpose to it, notice, to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. We go from being alienated and hostile and our lives full of sin to living holy, faultless, and blameless before Him. There's a lot of hostility 
<clears throat> so years ago, a lot of conservative churches had fallen into the legalism trap. It's being focused on what you wear and how you behave. There really wasn't much of a focus on the heart and the reality of a relationship with God. Um, and a lot of young people <clears throat> were uh, turned off by that and also used it as a reason to go into a life of sin. Instead of saying, a few, a few uh, uh, young people say, well, this doesn't look like biblical Christianity. Let me go to God's word and decide and, and figure out what is biblical Christianity. I suppose so, bud. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of young people didn't. They rejected God, rejected the church. And even now, I'll see some of them on Facebook. Um, they, um, my mom had posted something about holiness and, uh, and some people were, uh, had to take, had to make a comment about that, put into a sense worth and, and we're not friendly. We're not, you know, open and honest and, and sharing, um, <clears throat> They were hostile. But Jesus made a way for us to, to be reconciled to him. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. <clears throat> A couple things here. First off, he talks about uh, he destroyed the one holding the power of death. You know who now has the power of death? Jesus. In Revelation, he talks about having the keys to death. He has control. He took that from the devil. In verse 15, this perfect, wonderful reality that we can be free from this slavery of fear of death. I remember those times where I was far from God and and, and I would go to sleep and I would, I would wonder if I was going to wake up in the morning and I would feel that fear of being launched into eternity and not being ready. And even those who deny God, I still feel this fear of death. But when you've truly surrendered your heart to God, 
you're no longer afraid of death. Because you know God has everything under control. It makes life a lot easier. After God sanctified me, a few days after, I woke up in the middle of the night with such a powerful sense of God's presence that I thought I might be dying. I thought, well, maybe this is it. And you know what? Didn't feel any fear. It was kind of nice. And it makes life so much easier to live when you're not afraid. There's no, there's no you know, foreboding uh, spirit. Someone asked me about the risks of, of this upcoming surgery. If God ordains it and, and I go through with it. There, there's a risk to it. All surgery, there's a risk to it. And uh, I told them that safety is a mirage. It is. We feel safe sometimes. When we're in a home, I think doors are locked. You know, feel safe. Reality is, no matter where we're at, God has us in His hands. And nothing is going to happen to me unless God allows it to happen. And if God allows it to happen, that must have been the best thing to happen to me. It says right here in the Bible, Jesus died to free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. You hear what I'm saying? Do you? We were just talking about this. Interesting that it's the scripture that I'm reading today, isn't it? Are you listening to God? God's telling you something. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 2. He himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And this is another purpose to Jesus dying. Propitiation is another big word that isn't commonly used. I want to make sure everybody understands what it means. It's, it's a satisfaction of justice. That's what propitiation is. See, God is a good God. And just like a good judge, God demands that justice be served for any evil that's being committed. And since we could not even begin to pay for our sins, we needed Jesus to do that for us. So he paid the debt. 
Praise the Lord. And God's not going to remember that against you know, the devil. Bring up some old sin that you did in the past. Maybe I'm the only one that's happened to. You tell me what a terrible person I am, and and my response under the blood. It's under the blood. The Bible says that God will not remember that against us again. God will not say, "Well, look." I know you asked for forgiveness on this, but no. He blots it out. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 9. So Jesus died for our atonement. Okay. Do we need atonement? Some say we don't. What does the Bible say? <clears throat> Verse 9. What then? Are, are we any better? Not at all. For we have previously charged that both the Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. There's definite need. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone's sinned. Everyone's fallen short. There's a need. There's a need to be reconciled. There's a need to be purchased because once you sin, become property of the devil. Become his property. And a ransom has to be paid. Let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. So we see, first off, I mentioned there was a need for an atonement. Now we see the exclusiveness of the atonement, only by Jesus. He's the only one. Only one who could save us from his, with his death. Let's look at, finally, let's look at John you might know this this one. John chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> first uh, verse I memorized. As far as I know, the first verse I memorized in my life. Five years old. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have 
eternal life. So here we see the extent of the, aton the atonement. It's whosoever believes. Some people will say, well, Jesus died, so everybody's saved whether you believe or not. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus died, so whosoever believes. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise the Lord. God loved us so much. He was willing to give his son Jesus. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I give it. He gave himself for us. So we could be ransomed from the devil. Free from that. Free from sin. Free from guilt. Free from shame. We can be reconciled with God. We can have a relationship with Him. We can be adopted as children of God. Our sins can be forgiven in, in the court of heaven. And we don't have to worry. We've been pardoned. Pardoned for our sin. All through His death, He had to die. But he didn't stay dead. He's alive. And we will see him one day. I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel. Org. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. I'd love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.